Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and I'm joined by Brian and Ben to talk in the immediate aftermath of a scintillating Carabao Cup matchup. Uh, yeah, we, we haven't done an immediate post-match pod uh, in a while, and this has less to do with the result being particularly interesting or exciting as much as it is we're coming up on Christmas and it was probably easiest for us to record right now as opposed to later in the evening or tomorrow on Christmas Eve. So we have a lot to talk about. Uh, I do, if we have any confused listeners, I want to make clear, if you want to hear our thoughts, our, our more detailed thoughts on the Leicester match, we just had a guest spot with our friends over at the Extra Inch. I'm guessing most of our listeners also listen to them, but if you don't, go check it out. It's always fun. They're fun guys, even if you you don't just stick around to listen to us. They're, they're a good podcast to listen to, so... We'll probably have a little bit more on that in a little bit, but uh, yeah, if you want to hear us talk extensively about Leicester and laugh at Arsenal a little bit, uh, go over there. It's a good time. Uh, Before we get started, I want to remind you, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It makes us very happy, and I get to hear people complain about either me or our sound quality, and I'm sure those are things that either Ben enjoys or uh, the people who listen to our podcast would enjoy, so please do that. And also, uh, don't forget to follow us on our new Twitter feed, at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. So on that note, let's get started. Uh, Ben, who on Tottenham Hotspur do you think would be the best secret Santa coming out of today's match? To buy for or to get me a present? (laughs) To get you a present. Who do you think would be the best secret Santa to have? I, I bet Harry Winks is actually a pretty thoughtful gift giver. Uh, but I obviously wouldn't want him as my secret Santa for obvious <laughs> reasons. Um, I would I would reap all of what I've sown. Yeah, what, what 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 mutant strain of the coronavirus do you think he would give you? Most of them. Okay. Brian, who who would your uh, who, who do you who would you like to be your secret Santa at Tottenham Hotspur? Eric Lamella, definitely Eric Lamella. <laughs> you want to get body parts for Christmas? Yeah. You know what the the. The high-end range of what he might give you is very exciting. And on the low end, you still got a gift from Eric Lamella. So, I mean, you know, I think it's a win-win. Eric Lamella is, like, literally Jack Skellington in Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> like, his conception of what makes a good Christmas gift is, like, is literally that movie. It's, like, shrunken heads and smashed-up dead animal carcasses. Yeah, boxes full of broken. <laughs> Could Jack Wilshire's broken career fit inside a box? It's it's questionable. I, I would I would like to have Harry Kane because I don't think it would be a very inventive present, but I feel like he would give me a very large gift card that I could use on whatever I felt like. So you know, I think that would be nice. It would Basic, be the most expensive present, definitely. Yes, definitely, definitely. Maybe not the mo- best or most thoughtful, but it would be the most expensive. It'd be the most expensive thing in the Tom Brady line of uh, sports, sports <laughs> yes. apparel. And, uh, I mean, finally get the frictionless trust. pajamas that I always <laughs> wanted. So yeah, we have a match to talk about. Uh, Spurs beat Stoke City three to one. I kind of tuned out at the end of the match, so if they scored another goal. Please let me know. I, I feel like divorced from context, which we'll talk about in a second. This was a fairly typical mid-level 
League Cup match that we've seen under various managers over various years. I mean, you know, scored early, took our foot off the gas. They kind of got lucky and scored on their first shot. Struggled for a little bit. Then we sort of put the game out of reach very quickly after that. I, I'm not sure how much uh, until we sort of turn our eye to the off-the-field nonsense. There's not, I don't think there's a ton of stuff to really learn from this game other than I think Eric Lamella can still be a contributor to Tottenham Hotspur, which is a lovely little Christmas present in and of itself. <laughs> Uh, Brian, did I mean? Did you learn anything from this match? Um, no, I mean, Gareth, it was a nice reminder that Gareth Bale still knows how to score goals. That was cool. Um, and I, I, I think the thing you learned was just kind of about like various players' level of fitness. Um, it looks like you know Harry Winks is reasonably fit. He looked like he played pretty well. <laughs> Doherty, not so much. Um, you know. Bale, also not so much. I'm sure we'll talk about Deli Alley in a little bit. Eric Lamella, healthy, looked like he can contribute, like you said. Outside of that, I don't think it's any we'd learn much other than, you know, like, look, we get to go to the quarterfinal now. We're progressing toward the trophy. This is the stuff we wanted to see. Um, you know, we didn't blow it against a significantly worse team. Ben, do you have any? Did you learn anything about generally about our, our our play today, or is it really down to sort of sort of where certain players are in terms of fitness and good graces with the manager? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's definitely something we learned. I thought we learned today that no matter how well Deli Alley plays, it's probably not going to happen for him under Jose. He was, I think, clearly our best player until he came off, and. It sounds like, by all reports, that Jose was mad at him for doing a flick in midfield that led to a turnover that eventually led to the Stoke goal. And despite literally everybody in our back line at some point being responsible for failing to close down that move, um, you know, Jose has only had, had words for, for one of our players in his post-match comments. Um, and so I think you know, we've been hoping a lot that there's things that Delhi could do over this, you know, packed fixture period where he can earn his way back into Jose's good graces. He's appeared off the bench lately, you know, but I think my pessimistic takeaway is that uh, there's nothing that he can do right enough. That's going to matter for Jose. Yeah, I think, I think that's right about Delhi, which is a real shame. I mean, I, I don't think he was the best player on the pitch today, but I don't think it was a bad performance by any means. And certainly I think, Again, we don't know everything that's happening behind the scenes. I, I would certainly have taken this as something to build on, you know, if Mourinho hadn't said what he said post-match. I, I mean, Delhi is certainly, you know, if you're a team looking to play in transition, I think there's more than enough room for Delhi Alley in that team. I think given, you know, our sort of relative lack of midfielders who can pass the ball effectively, I, I'm not sure why you would want to sort of box Delhi out. I, I don't, we talked about this a little bit on the extra inch, I, I don't, fully understand what Mourinho is trying to do here. I mean, he's clearly he likes to feud with players for, I guess, the sake of either asserting his authority or just feuding with players or, or he thinks he gets something out of it. But I, I don't like, like this is the, this is the meanest he's been to Delhi in a while. So he's not doing some sort of public flogging of Delhi like he was with Ndombele last year. I just, I don't know. Barring something that we just don't know, I don't understand why Delhi's sort of on the outs in the way that I understand. I would understand if he's not first choice, but I don't understand why he's on the outs in the way that he is. Yeah, it really doesn't make much sense. I, you know, I, other than just typical Jose alienation of a good player to I don't know unite the team around himself. I don't know. It, it doesn't like. 
I thought Delhi did a, enough good things in this match and, and showed, you know, enough ability linking play. Like, he's still a little ponderous on the ball at times. He's still... Uh, you know, doesn't get away shots as quickly as he used to. And, you know, there's still some issues. But, you know, I thought if we're coming into a period now where you've got a Lo Celso injury and a Dombele injury, I thought Delhi played well enough that he wouldn't be singled out after the match as, like, the ultimate cause of our our defensive lapse. I, right. this, like, he's had bad performances leading up to this. Like, I'm not going to pretend like Delhi hasn't done anything wrong to put himself in the doghouse, but no more so than so many other players who keep getting chance after chance. Well, uh, I think the other thing that's a bit confounding about this, and the other than it didn't happen immediately, Mourinho seemed relatively happy with him last season. Um, you know, even all the stuff on the documentary didn't really seem that bad. Um, the thing that I find really perplexing, I, I remember us talking about this when we hired Mourinho. I remember Michael Cayley when we had him on the podcast talking about this. Is If there was one player on this team that you thought was like, that's a Mourinho player who's going to thrive under Jose Mourinho, I think we all would have picked Deli. Like, he's a little bit of a shithead. You know, he's he's got real quality on the ball that he, he could produce things. And he's not like, you know, he's not the hardest worker on the pitch, but he's not a passenger either. Uh, well, I mean, he presses really well. Like, it's yeah. like he's, you know, he's not the most defensively sound guy in the world, but he's he works, you know, on the pitch. He and he's got the kind of personality that, like, you know, I love Dally Alley, so please, no one take this as a slight. But I, would I think he would have fit in on a Jose Chelsea team? Like, I mean, with that kind of personality, I mean, he's a little asshole. Like, I, I it's 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 a bit of a mystery to me of why it's all gone so, so wrong. Yeah, that's a shame. And I think part of it is, you know, I think telling by some of his comments today where he, he mentioned that a, a player in Delhi's position um, can't afford to give the ball away that cheaply. And I think it really shows, you know, kind of a little bit about Jose's idea of how this team works because the obvious answer to that question is, well, then Delhi shouldn't be playing in that position. Like, the Delhi was at his best today running in behind. He did that really well. He got in the end of like three or four chances and a couple that he almost got on the end of. You know, we've seen countless times his, his goals against Arsenal and Chelsea in years past, um, you know, where he connects with Kobe Otterwell to Christian Eriksen in behind the defense. Like, it's a thing he's very good at doing. And, you know, again, we have a, a third attacking role besides Kane and Son that's a little perplexing, you know, how, how we're using that or who's going to fit in that spot. And... To me, Delhi seems like a natural guy to be the other person running into the box, getting on the end of those flicks from Harry Kane. Um, but the way Jose seems to be framing it is that, that he doesn't want another guy. Like, it's it's Kane and Son, and that's the attack. Everybody or else he just doesn't is there see, to do hard yeah. work. And, he, he, doesn't know, see, like, he doesn't no see Delhi as that, that winger or whatever that, that he wants to use up there, which is weird because I think, like you said, Ben, he's a much more natural fit than Lo Right. And so the only opportunity for Delhi left then is to play in a more structured, you know, team oriented midfield role that's just not his game and never going to be. And, you know, if that's the only spot that Jose can conceive of for Delhi, then then, yeah, I mean, he's never it's never going to work. And I didn't think that any of the stuff that Delhi tried to do like on the ball was particularly egregious today. Like, I mean, you know, he did some Eric Lamella dribble and not pass stuff, but like. Tonkin and Dombele does way more risky stuff, like heading backwards, facing his own goal, and then like step over and then turn type stuff. Like he does that. Tonkin does that all the time, 
And, you know, of course, you know, I guess the, the rub here for Jose is that whatever the thing it was that Delhi tried didn't come off. And then as a result, we conceded. But again, I, I don't I didn't see anything in watching that game as a whole where I was like, uh, I, I, th- this role isn't a fit for him. He cannot clearly do this. I mean, we don't know if, you know, Mourinho told him, I don't want you to do any flick-ons today, and he's doing it regardless. I mean, there's always a possibility. There's just some sort of dynamic. What here. a dumb instruction if well, that is. you're absolutely right. Like, but hey, my... don't go out there and try fancy stuff. Just kick the ball on the ground. But my point right. is... That's kind of his mentality. You know? Yeah. And we do see Ndombele moving further and further away from midfield and closer and closer to the other team's goal to make that stuff he does, you know, less risky. Like, he, Jose really does seem to have an aversion to, like, anybody being fun. Yeah, there's West Ham ruining our season yet again, apparently, because after that match, we seem to have really tightened everything up. I, I don't know. I think it's just a shame. Um, I think Delhi still clearly has a lot to give, even if I do think something's not quite right about him. And, you know, I think the easy answer to that is what's not quite right about him is his manager doesn't like him very much. But I don't know if there's fitness issues. I don't know if there's just something, you know, he's not happy for whatever reason. It's just... It's a shame. It's a shame. I mean, on one level, it's like, you know, we he's it's a little disappointing with Delhi because, you know, I think we all thought we'd be sort of, you know, beating Madrid and Barcelona and Manchester United sort of off with a stick to keep him around at this point, or we would have sold him for a ton of money, and that just doesn't seem to be happening. Um, and so, you know, I think that's why a lot of Spurs fans see him as a bit of a disappointment, but it's just... I, I don't know. It's it's. I think this guy still clearly has more to give to this club. I think a lot of the issues he's had in previous year, in the previous few years, while maybe he could have progressed more, I think you could. I would largely chip, chalk it up to injury and being asked to sort of triage our midfield under the last few years of Pochettino. You know, I don't know. I, I don't get it. Well, I mean, look, we talked a little bit about the transfer potential transfer of Deli Alley and and the value of that transfer on the extra inch earlier this week. But like I'm still kind of of the opinion that if we're going to sell kind of one of our quote unquote top end players, that he's very clearly the one that we can most obviously exist as a team without. I mean, you know, we've very clearly been, you know, playing as a team this year without him. And, you know, is he going to be a part of a Spurs core two years from now, three years from now? I, I don't know that that would be true regardless of who the manager is. And certainly if Jose Mourinho continues to be the manager for the next season or two, he doesn't seem to have a place. Um, so so he would be, while I probably like most Spurs fans, I mean, I don't like to the idea of you know parting with him now when his value is kind of at its lowest ebb. Uh, he's the player that I think that we can most afford to get a, get rid of and also generate some money to bring in a player that we might actually use. It's it's like what we talked about with Ndombele this past summer. It would suck to lose him, but if you're gonna if you're not gonna play him, you might as well get money for him, which is a shitty use of resources, but better than just letting him sit there, I guess. And unlike Ndombele, you know, Deli Alley, I don't know if you know this, only cost five mil. And so anything that, that we sell him for Anything that we sell him for represents, you know, a pretty good windfall, as much as I hate to do it. Um, whereas in Dombele, like, we would have almost certainly had to take some kind of a loss on that $65 million. So, you know, it's it's not the worst thing in the world. We have less, you know, invested in him than we do in some of our other more recent purchases that Jose is feuded with. 
So I think the other, if if you want to let, let's let's get the other negative from this game out of the way. Um, just since we're already here, uh, Gareth Bale. I, I don't. Something's not right with Gareth. I don't know if he's just a hollowed out shell of his former self. I don't know if he just is taking time to get back to fitness. I haven't read yet. Again, we're doing this right after the match. Has there been any reporting that you guys have seen on whether or not Bale was why he got pulled off at halftime? I'm assuming it was fitness. Yeah. Nothing. All right. So, I, I don't know. You look at Bale on the field. He clearly doesn't have the burst that he used to have. He's getting outrun all the time, which is, for a Spurs fan, fairly weird to see. I do think it's worth pointing out. He still does these little technical football things that are, I think, at least casually impressive. Like, he'll, he'll make these nice little outside passes. I thought his header for the goal today was really well taken, even if I don't think Winks was aiming at him. But that that's, that's nothing to do with Gareth Bales heading the ball into the net. I think you can still see there's a talented footballer in there. I just wish I knew if he was a guy who was past it or he just, you know, there's a fitness problem. I mean, I think at this point, the the only kind of useful player he looks like is a nostalgic version of Fernando Llorente. You know, a kind of not so mobile, still fairly good with his head. You put him around the box, he'll probably figure out how to get free to score goals. But in open space, yeah, he doesn't seem capable of running um, faster than anybody else on the pitch um you know he does a couple you know cute passes um you know he had a nice little reverse ball for Doherty in the match today that I remember taking note of but you know by and large he just doesn't look dynamic and that's such a weird thing to see from Bale who was just so dynamic yeah you know when we had him the first time um and it's not even just that he can't, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, I wasn't expecting him, maybe more foot races than he's had, but I wasn't expecting him to beat everybody out on the pitch like he was in 2012 or whatever. Um, but what I, I guess I find disappointing is it doesn't seem like he's adjusted his game to compensate for that. You know, this isn't like, oh, well, I can't do that anymore, so I'm going to do this instead. You know, it's just, it's, it just doesn't seem to be working. And, you know, I, clearly there are fitness things going on. It's just a question of, is this a short-term or a long-term problem? Right. Well, I mean, it's also hard for if you're a winger that has had a game that was largely predicated on pace and athleticism. Not that he didn't have technical skill as well. But, like, when that when the pace and athleticism goes, where do you adjust? You can't really drop deeper as a winger without, you know, compromising structure on the team. Like, like he has to almost convert to being, you know, a striker or playing as a number 10. And, and, you know, I thought he played some all right passes today. So, like, maybe he can be a number 10. But, like, that's not what Jose does with his number 10s. And, you know, we also have Harry Kane. And so he's not going to get a ton of minutes as a number 9. And he doesn't seem to just, you know, show any willingness to move about, like, in the same way that Vinicius does. So that I, – I think I think you're right, Greg. Is like, is like, first of all, one, how does he adapt his game and be – does he even want to? And and that's the thing is, I it doesn't seem like he wants to. He just wants to be kind of late era Berbatov and sort of like stroll around the pitch and occasionally do a nice and really cool and impressive thing, and then you're dying out on that for a month or so. I mean, at this point, the only use I see for Bale, unless his fitness just dramatically changes, is that kind of late sub to put a body in the box, you know, to get on the end of crosses and maybe take some free kicks because it still looks like he could take a pretty good free kick. And that's, you know, again, for a one-year rental um, that ticked a lot of nostalgia boxes, 
I mean, there's worse versions of Bale that we could have gotten. I mean, he could have just been injured all season. Like, that was a real possibility. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we can even find how to use this sort of incredibly, incredibly limited version um, of this guy, that would be something. Um, I mean, he's not not contributing, right? He's got like three or four goals. No, it's just, I think, you know, you think back to, I mean, it's been a year and a half since he was really a regular at Madrid, but you just... You know, he was a guy who was still an effective player. Not his last year. The last year he was featuring at Madrid. It's like he was still an effective player. I think we thought we'd be getting, you know, just someone who could produce a little bit. And it just, it doesn't, like like Ben said, it looks more like sort of a slightly more mobile Fernando Lorente, which has its uses, but, you know, I don't think that's what anyone thought hoped we were buying. Yeah, and, you know, I think, you know, maybe... And again, this is just a lot of conjecture that doesn't really add up to anything that matters. But you know, if we had we were playing in a more possession-oriented style where we were like kind of camped around the other team's box. Bale not being particularly quick or whatever would give him a little bit more utility. You know, you can kind of ghost into space and and find little passes. You know, in a in a possession-oriented team. But in this like run and gun style that we're trying to play, it's just if you can't run, like that's kind of it. But I don't even think that's entire. I mean, that's an issue. I think you're right. But we're playing Bale largely in these matches against tomato cans and like League Cup matches and Europa League. I mean, we're playing Bale in games where we have lots of possession. I mean, he's had opportunities to sort of ghost around the box, get some move, you know, interact with some other players. I mean, he's in the games that which should suit a player like him. And you know, I don't even think you know, especially because you're considering you're talking about some of these awful Europa League teams and some of these lower tier League Cup teams. I mean, he's. In the kind of matches where if it's just a, a quality of opponent issue, it, you know, we should be seeing more out of him. Unless it's a fitness issue, in which case it is what it is. I mean, again, even today we had a t- I'm sorry, Brian, I know you wanted to say something. But we didn't. We had a ton of the ball, but it was all like in our own half, in the midfield. Like None of our front line had more than 16 passes today, whereas... Winks and Hoiberg had like 70 something. Hoiberg had 87 passes. So, like, we had a lot of the ball, but it wasn't, you know, like Man City camped around the other team's box just waiting for a moment to, like, you know, unpick that defense. It was turgid. Yeah. And then the only thing that I was going to say was, you know, part of me wonders if Bale is one of those players that needs kind of a run of games in the team. Uh, you know, I've heard, you know, guys like Miguel Delaney and, and Sid Lowe kind of put forth this thing that he needs, you know, six, seven, eight matches in a row to really get his fitness up and get up to speed. And he's not getting that. He never got that really at Madrid in those last couple seasons. And he's certainly not getting that here where he's getting, you know, 45 minutes in a Europa League and then maybe 10 in a, a Premier League at the weekend. Like, like maybe that's the thing that Gareth Bale needs. But we're also kind of in a position where we can't just, like, throw him some minutes and hope he gets it. Like, we, we're, we're competing for top four spots. We're not coasting like a Madrid, you know, to the top spot in La Liga. Like, Brian, please, we're, in, we're in a title race. We're in a title race. Sorry, yes. Yeah. No, but also, and, and, that's, and that's assuming there aren't fitness issues, which there almost certainly are. So one way or another, he's not getting that run of games. Yeah, it's tough. It is. Um, that's rough, buddy. Um, that's rough. Buddy. I think. I think the if let's let's talk about some positives for today's match. I, I think Eric Lamelo was very good. Helped change the match when he came on. Really, I, I don't know what his what level of team he's effective against anymore, but at a minimum, he can influence a game like this, and it sure is fun to watch. 
picking fights. You know, comes right off an injury and starts picking fights with with guys on Stoke. Like, you gotta love Eric Lamella. He's just the best. I mean, I'm sure this is the fixture he's missed the most. Is like you can really throw elbows against a team like Stoke, and nobody's gonna give a shit about it because it's Stoke. And I think he just had a lot of pent up excitement <laughs> for a game like this. Yeah, I mean, you know, he came out guns blazing, elbows swinging, you know, stamped on somebody right before free kick, then squared up to the guy that took exception to that. Like, kicked away in the back of the leg. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is peak Eric Lamella shit. I, I just, I, I'm really looking forward to the one day, like, explaining to my child, like, why do you like Eric Lavella so much, Dad? Well, he hurt people. <laughs> like, like, there's not that, like, and silky, beautiful. there's not that silky smooth moves that you're going to show him. Like, there's that great, high, the, the highlight clip will be, you know, like, incredibly violent. It's just, yeah, no, he was just the servant for the club, and he liked to, like, beat the shit out of other teams. It was great. Yeah, that highlight reel is, you know, him stepping on Cesc Fabregas, two-footing Petr Cech. Well, it's, it's that highlight reel that was going around Twitter a few months yeah. ago where he's, like, stealing stealing the Burnley guy's water and, yeah. you know, squaring up with Jack Wilshire. Oh, God. What a, what a legend. But, but honestly, though, it's good to have him back because he does offer something a little different. We, we keep talking about, you know, what, what we do in that third attacking spot. And... He is kind of the only one that offers something similar to what Steven Bergvine theoretically brings, in that he has some creativity, some dribbling, and the ability to occasionally score a goal or make a final pass. Like, he is not just like a Lucas Mora where you're counting on, you know, running. Um, so, so I. I think having him back for this busy fixture, you know, uh, list coming up is is good. I don't know that he should necessarily be starting, but he certainly, you know, is going to see plenty of minutes in the next month or so. He's certainly the only player on that bench where if you're trying to settle a game, assuming Hoiberg started, if you're trying to settle a game down at the end and sit on a lead, he is the only player on that bench that makes me feel good about that strategy if you bring him on. Which is weird because him in possession is oftentimes very scary. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> you're like, oh, you're running right at that person. What are you doing? Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> sometimes it works out. Sometimes he just literally kills the other team's counterattack by murdering yeah. somebody. So I, you know, I, I, I'm excited for him back to be back. You know, I, I, I'm always happy when he is fit and able to be in contention for the squad. Like he's. A very useful player to have. I'd be, I'm always very sad when we don't have him around. So it's it's good to have him back for Christmas. A Christmas miracle. <laughs> I mean, if you remember in the games early in our season, um, you know, against Southampton, we were up 2-1, and then we brought on Eric Lamella, and we won 5-2. Um, against Man U, Eric Lamella was on when we were up, like, 4-1, and then he went off, and we didn't really do anything the rest of the match. Like, he was a big part of those early big exciting wins that made us kind of believe a little bit that this team might not just be the clinically effective Jose Mourinho, but also like ruthlessly fun in the process. Um, and, you know, that hasn't really happened in a while. Um, anyway, I don't expect Eric Lamella to be the, the cure for everything that's been ailing Spurs over the last week or so. Um, but I do think there's not, it's not unreasonable to hope that he is a good fit for that position. You know, we keep taking our wingers like Lucas, like Bergvine, who are largely failed player p- players and trying to make them into these hardworking defensive type wingers. Um, 
Lamella is really the prototype for that, and he manages to combine the work rate and defensive solidity while still having a little bit more pizzazz and attack than we've seen from these other guys, and just a real you know joy of violence that I think Bergvine is not yet comfortable with. <laughs> That I think well, there aren't many people comfortable with that level of violence. But. No, I know, but like he just embraced that role so so fully, in a way that I think you know by example I think he can just show the squad a lot of what that guy is supposed to do. Well, and I wonder, and I, I haven't looked into this at all, so I might be talking completely out of my rear end here, but I wonder if because he's a so defensively solid and b willing to sort of do all sorts of dirty work, if Mourinho is like allows him to have a little bit more license, whereas a guy like Deli Alley, he just gets aggravated. I mean, there's probably other reasons he gets aggravated, Deli Alley, but you know, he gives Lamella a little bit more rope because he does all this other stuff too. So if Lamella wants to like try some tricksy shit in the final third, he's like, okay, well, because I know you're going to get back and I know you're going to kill a counter attack, and you know, clearly you're smart enough to like slice that guy's head open without getting a red card. So you know, I'm going to let you do that, Eric. I, I just wonder if Mourinho gives him a license that he doesn't give other players. Um, and the fact that Lamella is also a little more creative than we give him credit for uh, maybe yeah. helps us. And surely any, you know, any ego Eric Lamella once had about, like, what his role should be and what he should be, what kind of freedom of, of creativity he should be allowed in the pitch has swallowed been swallowed a long time ago. Whereas behind the scenes, Delhi still may have ideas about, you know, what he should be allowed to do on a football pitch that Jose just Will not permit. I get the feeling. I see exactly what you're saying, Ben. I get the feeling Eric Lavelle long ago learned to love doing doing real the the dirty defensive work that his managers have asked of him in North London. Yeah, he's a man who remade himself and whoever's image needed him, (laughs) and it's he's been refined and he's just like a like a rusty nail. Yeah, I, 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 other than that, I don't have. Do you guys have any other thoughts about the Stoke match? I kind of want to get into sort of generally where we are, but that, those were the big talking points struck out to me. Otherwise, this was just your sort of bog standard, middle of the road, you know, League Cup match where we probably didn't take it quite as seriously as we should. But like I said, I could say that about Spurs under lots of managers, not just Mourinho. I mean, I'm, I'm I concerned say- Kane had to go ninety. <laughs> And yeah. Son had to come off the bench, like, and Hoybier has to go ninety. Like, those are the things that I'm worried about, and like, not so much right now, but over the course of a season, it's like, Ugh. yeah. I mean, those guys having to play minutes is not ideal, but also through to the semifinal. Like, if Jose, if Jose's going to sell out and play, you know, Kane and Son to make sure we make it to a final or or win the League Cup, then. Okay. I mean, Flip side we talked about that, that is Joe Hart was riding the bench today, so I yeah. mean, Mourinho is weirdly clear-eyed about some things. I think. Yeah. So I mean, you know, he did play Davis and Sanchez, though he did play Davis and and uh, Doherty. So I don't know, but yeah, I, I think I think the Kane Son thing is is concerning. Like, you know, why not Vinicius for Bale if you're you know. Do, do we really not think that highly of Vinicius? And if we don't, what is that based on? Because he seemed yeah. pretty good. You know, like, why not run him out there in a match like this? I don't know. Like, yeah, make Kane your 70th minute sub. I don't understand it either. Yeah, and I mean, look, in fairness, Kane and Son, or Son almost scored, and Kane did score. So, you know, yay. But <laughs> do we need that? 
I mean, maybe. <laughs> we felt... I mean, we were very unlucky not to be up by more than we were at the half, but, you know, which I could say is maybe the story of our season sometimes, but, you know, that's with Kane on the pitch. So, I, generally speaking, we, like, uh, you know, a week ago we were riding high and had a just a blip against Crystal Palace, but we were firmly in the title picture. I mean, we've had, you know... Two matches that I think you could find real problems with, and another match that I thought was probably one of our best of the season, and we just sort of lost to one of the best teams in the world, and it's, that's just the way it goes sometimes. Tottenham are in sixth place right now, uh, but that is a very tight table, and I think you know we could very easily go up into the top four, or just as easily, I guess, if things keep going wrong, we could plummet down the table. I think we're five points above Wolves in 11th place or whatever they're in. So, uh, Ben, I'll start with you because the pendulum. We need. I mean, if the pendulum, I don't think it's swinging anymore. I think it's fallen, flung off its hinge, and is lying on the ground. But I mean, how are you feeling about the team? I mean, I'm feeling pretty bad. Um, like, I don't think it's catastrophic bad. It's certainly not like you know the end of Pochettino era bad. Um, but I mean, that would require you know. some effort. <laughs> You know, but, you know, a week ago I was dreaming on a title challenge, and now I'm like, Phew, I don't know, Leicester, Man U, Chelsea are all ahead of us. They all look pretty good for top four. Do we have what it takes to, you know, make a race out of it? Um, and that concerns me, you know? And, like, seeing Man City, who are behind us in the table, um, wax Arsenal yesterday with their B team, um, and that's kind of labored a victory over Stoke today, you know, and I'm suddenly concerned. I mean, labor is, like, that's a little harsh, I would say, but. I mean, it was 1-1 at a, at a period. <laughs> we were seriously considering, are we going to blow this? Like, it was a real, there was a real at, possibility. At no point today did it feel like we were second. Podcast. At no point today did it feel like we were second best, is what I, you know. You know they, no. Like, this and wasn't also, like Crystal Palace, is what I'm trying to say. Actually better than Stoke. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. Certainly less defensively solid. Well, yeah. Brian, well, if you look at the shooting percentages in basketball, I think you'll see that Arsenal <laughs> deserved to win yesterday. Hey, look, Stoke, one shot, one goal. You know, I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not not great. I'm not great. Well, I think, I think I, calls I, it a question is like, what what feels good? Uh, you know, what are we happy with for this season? And, and I know we had a long talk about the extra inch, but I think to me the question is less about like what is it represents a good season than what represents hiring Jose Mourinho to take this team where it was. Um, at, you know what makes that a decision that is defensible rather than trying to find a manager that is, you know, the next Pochettino for us. Because certainly, whatever you think about Jose, he's not that. Well, I think um, there's. So th- some of it's around the context of the league because, I mean, I think this last week would have felt a lot less disastrous if this was like five years ago before the Premier League became La Liga where, you know, it just feels like Liverpool's never going to drop points again, which clearly isn't true based on how this year's gone. But it just feels like there's no room for slippage. And again, the, the table is extremely tight, so it doesn't take a lot to, you know, we didn't go from like first to sixth in the way that you know that might sound over the course of two or three months, but it's it's a challenge, and I think you know the way we play, which isn't always the most entertaining, 
and how we sort of all personally feel about Mourinho, I think we have a tendency to sort of catastrophize certain games and certain results. And I don't know where where it's... Ra- I mean, sports fandom is inherently irrational, but I feel like sometimes we get carried away with ourselves and sometimes it's entirely justified. And I don't know. This week feels like, you know, on the one hand, we played a really good game against one of the best teams in the world this week. On the other hand, we did some dumb shit against Leicester and some dumb shit against Crystal Palace. So, you know, how do you balance all of that? I think if you just look at everything kind of devoid of context, which is obviously a stupid way to look at anything. Um, <laughs> but if you just... If you just you, <laughs> just uh, bear with me. It'll come together, maybe. Uh, if you look at it and you say, all right, Tottenham are sixth. And that's the only thing we consider. We consider we don't have to worry about Jose. We don't worry about you know what's going on in the league this season. You'd still probably say that was disappointing, um, based on where we've been the last few years. Um, I think, however, once we start including the well, why did we hire Jose Mourinho? What is the trade-off here? What what are what what's all encompassingly are we trying to to get out of this Jose Mourinho era? The problem then becomes is we also appear to be measuring success in Jose Mourinho as Spurs manager with stuff other than our league finish. I mean, we've talked about it. Is fourth place in a trophy good? Is fifth place in a Europa League win good? Is 18th in a Europa League win? Not 18th, 17th in a Europa League win good? Um, you know, like... Farsal gets really, relegated? Yeah. Really what we're evaluating this on is like, are we winning a trophy? Are we qualifying for the Champions League? And, and and like Ben said, that was kind of the baseline of where we were under Pochettino. And not the trophies, obviously, but the Champions League. And so so the, the level above that, I guess, is are we taking home a trophy? And I think we, even the most optimistic of Spurs fans, didn't look at this at the beginning of the year and go, title challenge we're gonna do it and so like it was fun those three weeks when it happened and we were like yeah we're in first place um that's great but but none of us thought that at the end of 38 game season that we would be at the top of the heap and so so what we're evaluating whether this season or 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 jose Mourinho's tenure is success is do we bring home a trophy do we is it a carabao cup is it an fa cup is it europa league is it champions league like whatever like we're evaluating it based on some other criteria. So for me, the league, are we finishing in the Champions League places? That's what I care about. Are we in position to finish fourth or better? And right now, we're, what, a point behind Everton, and I don't think Everton are going to keep this up for... I mean, they've shown that they have kind of peaks and valleys, and, you know, I I don't know that they're actually a top-four quality team. I think we're right there. I, I, I have no concerns about a top four finish. And it's worth pointing out, I, at least I don't know about other Spurs fans, because I think there are other Spurs fans who are much more, were and are much more high on Mourinho than we are, but I certainly think on this podcast we all would have been skeptical of a top four finish coming into the season. Yeah, I think absolutely we would have been skeptical of that. I mean, based on, you know, we, you know the transfer dealings, you know, based on 
um, you know, just how we played last year. I mean, I think Project Restart gave you like a little bit of hope that we could <laughs> play better or look better. And then, you know, we have the Southampton match, the Manchester City match. And you're like, oh, you know, actually, maybe we are going to be exciting and interesting. And, you know, but but I don't think ultimately that that leading into this, you looked at the squad top to bottom and would think, you know, we can compete with Liverpool or City over the course of an entire season or Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're still in the mix for top four. And I think so it's premature to kind of evaluate anything of success or failure as long as that's still in play. You know, not getting knocked out of the Carabao Cup today was very important, you know, for my, I think, mental feelings about you know what's possible this season Ben, i'm, I'm really worse. worried about your mental health <laughs> that's where it's you bad are. it's bad man i've been locked in a fucking house for nine months and i don't see anybody and uh you know all i have is jose <laughs> it's Oof. it's not a, you know it's it's not who i would choose for my roommate during lockdown but you know last season we finished behind liverpool man city chelsea man u in top four lester in fifth spurs in sixth presently all of those teams besides Man City are still ahead of us in the table. And now Everton's ahead of us as well. Um, you know, and if you look, you know, around the league, Southampton's much better this season. Aston Villa's pretty good this season. West Ham's decent. Wolves are still decent. Like, there's a lot of competition in that chasing pack right now. And despite being ahead of Man City, um, you know, I think we can't take it for granted that we're going to finish ahead of them. So, you know, again, those big four teams besides us um, are still very much in contention for Champions League. Plus you add in Leicester, Everton, Spurs, Southampton, you know, maybe one of those other three clubs. I just I just think it's very premature to be like, yeah, top four is happening. Um, and so that's where I get a little nervous, you know? Like we, a week ago, were head of the class and we looked like we put some separation between us and some of the, that chasing pack. And now suddenly we're right back in the mix of it. And, you know, with the league being down and things being so tight, I mean, every week I think is going to have opportunities for the, for the pendulum and all of our kind of uh, hopes and expectations to swing wildly because it's very competitive right now. Um, I, yeah. So I, I would like us to be better than very competitive right now. I would like us to be good. And I thought for a minute we were getting there. And Look, I mean, even this week, there's there's evidence for that. Now, I mean, you could rightly counter that the way you play against Liverpool isn't the way you need to play against a Leicester, for instance. But you know, it's it's I, I feel like the, the the peaks and valleys are much higher and lower this year than they have been in previous years because I think even in this week that was very clearly not a good week for Spurs, we dropped a lot of points this week that we shouldn't have dropped. You know, there's still signs of positivity if you want to look for them. I mean, I don't even think you have to look very hard for them. I think the Crystal Palace match is the one that, that kind of eats at me now. I, yeah. think in, I think on our show, in between Palace and Liverpool, we talked, like, in the context of our season, this these these drop points aren't going to be a, as big a deal if we go out and we get something against Liverpool and we beat Leicester. And then we didn't do either of those things. We lost both those matches. And then all of a sudden, those two drop points against Palace feel a lot more significant like those two drop points uh you know we we win that wind up winning that match and now we're not sixth we're level with Leicester and in second place you know like 
that to, and I, and I know that look that's one game in the course of a 38 game season but I you know if we're talking about our current mental health and how we feel about Spurs you know that first game at the beginning of this 10 game or 10 day period that game kind of set the tone for why we feel shitty about it well especially when you consider that Palace for all the fuck ups we had in that match for as poorly as we approached a lot of it we still probably played well enough to win, and if we were a little more lucky, we would have won that game. And that's just... You're right, Brian. That, in some ways, that set the tone for Liverpool. You know, like, if Kane doesn't have that ball palmed out, if Dyer's goal free kick goes in, you know, I mean, that could have been... That could have set the tone for the week in an t- entirely different way. Uh, but, you know, these games, like you said, these games we should have won, you know, Newcastle, West Ham, Crystal Palace, I'm probably leaving another game or two off of that list. You know, they add up, and especially, you know, like Ben was saying, the way this season's going, you, you're, you're not giving yourself that cushion. And, I mean, you know, we can obviously do that. You know, we can play the what-if game every season. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so, like, I don't want to get bogged down in that too much, but I'm just, I, think, I think my point is ultimately that, you know, this run of fixtures where we came off, you know, very tough, uh, or, or uh, you know, an easier run in the in the kind of beginning of the season, and we took basically maximum points from that run, and then we said, all right, you know, now we've got Chelsea or City, Chelsea, Arsenal, uh, Palace, Liverpool, and and we start that run off by beating City, drawing uh, drawing Chelsea, beating Arsenal. You're like, oh shit, okay, now this is a real thing. We have momentum. We are rolling. And then you arrest that momentum by kind of having that match against Crystal Palace. And so in the context of the season, that match feels much worse to me than, you know, the dire handball against Newcastle or the late 35-yard screamer against West Ham. Because this this feels like a game that really took what was a good run and turned it into shit. Now we got to turn things back around. Right. I mean, I mean, 10 points from six games feels better than eight points from six games. You know, it's a, it's a hard stretch, but you know, taking one, one point from our last three games in that run hurts. Um, and, you know, we have an opportunity to go on another run. You know, we go Wolves, Fulham, Leeds, Villa, Sheffield United. You know, we, Besides Wolves, those are all... I mean, Bill is tough, too. But, like, those are all winnable games. We're better than all of those teams. Or at least we should be, you know? Yeah, and then we, we play Liverpool again. Right. Fine. But, like, if we if we run through that period taking as close to maximum points as, you know, feels good, we're going to be in the mix. And then, yeah, we're going to blow it to Liverpool and then blow it to Brighton and then blow it to Chelsea. And then... Wow, Ben. You know. <laughs> you know. Um, You're just get, getting your New Year started early, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's another tough period. It's it's Liverpool, Brighton, Chelsea, West Brom, City, West Ham. It's like, you know, we have we have these two periods of, of our fixture schedule that are very, very tough for us, and we need to either get through them credibly or just beat the shit out of everybody else the rest of our season. And, uh, yeah, that's a lot to ask for. I mean, yeah. again, with things so tight, it's like, just can't lose... <laughs> It really feels like that. And I mean, look, honestly, I think, you know, I, a criticism of Spurs for a long time has been that we we failed to beat some of the teams that we should beat. 
Um, I think that was kind of an early Pochettino critique that he turned around in the last couple years. I think it was certainly an issue that we had under AVB and under, um, you know, Harry Redknapp. Like, you know, how many times did a Stoke or a West Brom or, you know, a Sunderland give us problems? Um, So, and, you know, if you can go out there... Arsenal did it for a decade where they just went out there and they beat all the shitty teams and then they got their asses handed to them by the other top four teams and they still finished fourth at the end of the season. Like, it's not the way any of us want to go about this, but it's still a sustainable way to have a successful season. And so, you know, yeah, the Crystal Palace drop points and and the West Ham and the Newcastle are, are all are drop points. But like Ben said, we've got this stretch here where Let's just go out and beat the brakes off these middle to bottom bottom half teams, and and we're right back where we started, where we can then get disappointed and shellacked by Liverpool. But there is something to be said for, or there's a dynamic at play, I guess that, and I think Ben talked about this. It's you know we're doing it with Mourinho. It feels like on some level, and again, I would absolutely do it to win a title or win a major trophy. But you know, it feels like on some level we're selling out. Um, to, to get these things where it's like, you know, be, whether it's because we find Mourinho distasteful or whether we find it's just like they're not fun to watch anymore, you know, there, there does seem to be, you know, I can see it today. Like we had a relatively comfortable, like I I guarantee you we, we've, we've all watched these matches under Pochettino and Harry Redknapp and we have had much less sort of like, Jesus Christ, Spurs are fucking up again reactions than we had today. Now, admittedly, some of that was because, like, Mourinho's feuding with one of our sort of most successful players of recent years immediately after the match, and that's obviously loaded into it. But there's just this sort of angst surrounding Spurs that it's sort of, I don't know, it's, it's, it's even when it's going well, there's sort of like a, we're kind of worried what happens when it stops going well. That There's probably a level of that that would happen with anybody, but... There's just so much loaded into watching this team right now that I feel like is new to watching Spurs. Yeah, I mean, a bad result feels much more catastrophic to my brain under Jose because I already feel like I'm compromised so much. You can't justify it if we're we're dropping points to Crystal Palace, basically. Right, exactly. Yeah, because we're not talking about, you know, universal energy and good feelings and press conferences. You know, we're talking about F Deli Alley. You can't do flicks in midfield. Um, you know, so <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think overall, like the fan base as a whole, if we had anybody other than our manager, some of the reactions in the last ten days to these fixtures would be much more muted. But because we have a manager who is also kind of inflammatory with his comments, we get some inflammatory opinions and some hot takes from the fans. And so, you know, you kind of, this is what Daniel Levy signed up for. So here we are. Well, it, and it is, it goes back to something that, I mean, we've talked about on this podcast a lot is like, you get Mourinho to win now. And it's a lot easier to sort of write off a bad week and sort of maybe watching a title challenge fade. If it's like, oh, we're building towards something. This is an ongoing process. Whereas it's like, no, 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 we're, we're here to do it. And, you know, I think that's, you know, I don't think it's like this year or bust with Mourinho, but there's a sense of, there is a bit of a sense of now or never around all these results. Yeah, it's not necessarily this year a bust. It's sort of like, well, if we don't do it this year, why is next year going to be any different? Yeah. You know, I think it's kind of how it feels, at least to me. And, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's there's certainly, and again, within Mourinho's tenure, I mean, tenure at other clubs, there's certainly reason to believe he would take, 
you know, okay, we finished third and win a FA Cup this year, and he takes that. We sign some other dudes, and maybe it gets better. I mean, I don't think that's like a wild scenario breaking with Mourinho's precedent. I mean, I think it's just as likely we keep trying to do what we do, but we don't benefit from a compressed fixture list fucking up with everybody's schedule. And as things return to normal next year, everything gets a little hairier for us. But who knows? I don't know. It's it's just... Yeah, it, it feels like it, we're here. We're not building to something. It's like we're here with what needs to work. It really sucks that they moved the League Cup final to April from, like, what's it usually in early February, I guess. Because if it had been in early February, we could have just known if we'd won a trophy, like, in February. <laughs> and then we could be like, all right, this season is a success now, regardless of what happens. Um, not to jinx us and about making the final or winning the trophy or anything, so knock on wood. But, uh, yeah, I... I don't know. It, Honestly, true though. I mean, like that was like I mean, the, the last time we won a trophy was the Juan de Ramos year, and we we won the trophy, and we kind of coasted our way till eleventh uh, or ninth or whatever it was, and like we didn't really care that much. Like, yeah, it was it was bad, and obviously things didn't work out well for Juan de. But as fans, it was like, well, we had we got that one. Like, the season already hit its high note. So, we like, beat Arsenal and Chelsea on the way there. We did it. Like, you know. Right. I, I was going to say it'd be funny to watch Mourinho spending four months making the League Cup out to be a big deal, but we've seen him do that with the Charity Shield, so like it would just inevitably be a letdown from that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, it, it all just, the, our whole evaluation of this season just really depends on a trophy, and it's... It's results-based. It really is, yeah. in a way that I don't think I've ever experienced as a Spurs fan. Like, even something like the Champions League final felt like that felt like such a harebrained like idea that was so radically weird that we would ever actually get there. You know, it's like it, as much as it sucked losing it, it didn't like I don't know about devastate's the right word, but you know, I, I I wasn't nearly as disappointed as I think I'll be this year if we don't fucking win something because that's an yeah, expectation I, now as opposed to like oh this is all gravy like I can't believe we're, like this crazy ride that we're on you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, I'm not going to speak for everybody else, but I think you know, leading up to the Champions League, I very much felt like, there's no way we're going to win this, but this is awesome. Like, yeah. this is really cool. And then and then as soon as, like, game day hit, I was like, I really want to win this. Um, you know, but it, it ultimately didn't work out that way, obviously. But, <laughs> yeah, it just very much, it felt, like you said, like icing on the cake. Like, oh, like, you know, we've got all these good players, and we somehow fluked our way in here, and the Ajax match was really cool, and the City t- was really cool, and, and then all of a sudden we're in the final, and it's like, yeah, this would be nice, right? But our, our whole season doesn't depend on us winning this. Yeah, I mean, it's the difference between having a project, you know? And yeah. it's been a while since we've been in this kind of position. But it's, it's also, feeling. it's about where you are, like... Mourinho's here for results. That's not necessarily, you know, you you didn't bring Pochettino in to win things immediately. Like that's what you're doing with Jose Mourinho. He's he is here to win shit. Right. I mean, they're all there for results. It's just the results weren't the end all be all because you could see other kinds of growth and success. And yeah, they, it's it's weird being in a situation where that stuff doesn't really matter. As nice as some of the growth and success has been, you know, I mean, if you look at us a year ago. To now, you know, we were not as good, and that's nice. Um, but and that should feel nice, and maybe doesn't feel as nice because of all those those other circumstances. Um, 
But I guess after after a year of Jose, what what makes you feel good? <laughs> you know, Our counterattacking game. Our counterattacking game. Son and Kane are fucking fun as shit to watch, and it, it doesn't happen as much as we'd like, but. When this team starts popping balls out of their defense and they start running down the field and everybody's in sync, it's really fun to watch and it's genuinely impressive. And, you know, because it doesn't happen as much as we would like, especially now that teams are sort of wise that this is a thing that could happen to them, you know, we don't get to see it as much. But it's really impressive when this team just starts tearing ass down the pitch and, like, just popping one-twos with each other. It's really fun to watch. Brian, for Christmas, what what did Spurs bring you this year? Um, I got this nice Gareth Bale jersey. <laughs> I mean, what kind of joy did you get from the team and the players? I got a Gareth Bale jersey. <laughs> no, Which uh, one is it? Which one uh, is the it? green one, the one they wore today. I Which like it. I like wear it more often. I really liked it today. I do. I do the only thing that bothers me about it is that the stripes on the side don't like match up like the upper the yeah that's the like a weird nike yeah yeah it's, it's weird like it's a zigzag pattern that doesn't need to be but whatever um i don't i think <laughs> one of the things that i've appreciated about spurs this season is um sergio Reg, uh, regulone i just like the way he plays like it, it, we don't really have like kind of a you know, you don't have like the kind of happy-go-lucky, bouncy sort of like. Oh, look! Doesn't he look like he's enjoying football? We haven't had a player Son. like that. I mean, Son does that. Yeah, but like he's also really good. So like it's you know he he seems to really enjoy it because he is really good at it. Whereas Regulon seems to be just like mostly effort, like a dog chasing cars, basically. Yeah, and and I very much enjoy that. And not to say that he's not good, but it's just like the amount of effort, the chasing, the running, like the the some of the balls he puts in. Like I, I really just have. He brings me great joy when I see him in the lineup. And it's worth noting reports out today from Fabrizio that he is uh, he enjoys being at Tottenham and he is focused at Tottenham and has no interest in going back to Madrid right now. So. Fingers crossed, boys. We'll, we'll see what his YouTube star girlfriend says in, in a few years. Hey, London is a target-rich media environment, so we'll see. Ben, what is what is what has brought joy to you about Tottenham Hotspur this year? I mean, it, it's no question it is Ndombele coming back in the team and being able to see him swagger around the way that he does. I mean, speaking of a guy who looks joyous out there, like he just. Really? That's that's not what yeah. I would take out of Ndombele's demeanor on the pitch. Oh, God, no. I mean, he's just definitely, he has so much fun. Like, he doesn't, like, you know, he's not, like, wagging his tail and grinning like an idiot like Sergio. But, like, he is out there just, like, just destroying people with the simplest of touches and the simplest of, like, shifting of weights. And you definitely see him just, like, having fun with the ball. Like, there's... He is never going to look for, like, the easy pass when, like, the most fun pass will also get there. And I love that. I love I love watching players like that with that kind of swagger who just don't care what, like, the safe option is, what you're supposed to do. They play football because it's awesome, and they do it as awesomely as they can. He's he got... is very much like Dembele. Not not in the what, what they choose to do with the ball, but in the way it mostly just appears effortless. Uh, you know, Dembele would you know hold off a defender with his body and and spin, and and Tongi's is more like a step over and a flick around and like 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 so it's different, but like it 
they are very much have like the same quality of movement where it feels effortless. It looks like them gliding around out there and, and, and they're so enjoyable to watch. Like Dembele was definitely one of my favorite Spurs players to watch over the last like decade. Like, I don't know if you guys saw this against Leicester. I think it was against Leicester. Um, you know, and Dombele, sort of trademark move is that stopping the ball on a dime, sort of putting his body into the other, into the opposing player's chest and sort of switching direction with the ball all very immediately. Well, at one point in the match against Leicester, and I don't know if he did it on purpose, but Lucas Moura did that to a player. Like, not He didn't put as much physical force into it, but he ended up pulling it off. And I remember even watching that being like, oh, okay. And then like five minutes later, he tries to do it again, clearly excited that he could do it once, and just fell on his ass, couldn't couldn't retain possession of the ball. And it's just, I think that is the fun thing about Ndombele, is just that he does these things that are, whether it's passing or the way he sort of changes direction on the pitch under pressure. He does these things that are like other players just struggle to replicate, but they're so easy for him, or at least he makes it look easy. Yeah, I mean, it's that kind of, like, playground street ball shit that, like, gets beat out of most players as, as they go through, like, academies and, you know, are taught not to do those things because, like, Delhi and Jose, you know, like, no, 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 you're going to put your team in trouble with something like that. But, like... It's so fun to watch. And, like, there's a few guys in the league right now, like Alex San Maximin right now, Adama Traore, Jack Grealish. There's a couple of guys who just have that kind of verve to their play where, like, they have no problem doing something wild and, you know, make it look easy. And it's just it's just great. And it's great to have somebody like that on the pitch for Spurs. Speaking of Delhi and streetball stuff, his double nutmeg of the Stoke player today brought me a great deal of joy. Yeah, exactly. Remember the remember the Delhi nutmeg counter? Like, yeah, yeah, those, those are the were days. great. <laughs> Did uh, so so as we wrap up, what is your Christmas wish for Tottenham Hotspur, Brian? What do you want to get out of Tottenham Hotspur as we as we enter this festive period? Well, I don't know if you've been listening to the rest of the show, Greg, but I obviously want a trophy. Okay. Um, I'm just doing this so Ben can like advocate murder on Christmas, but continue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Other than, uh, out of the festive period in general, I just right. want them to not. Let's ruin narrow my it down. Holidays. Spurs can only win one trophy this year. Let's throw out the league because that is obviously the one we'd all pick if we could choose one. What 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 knockout competition would you like to see us win the most? Well, the Europa League, obviously, that's the best one. Um, and 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 after that, I don't know. I just want the the FA Cup so Arsenal can't win it. I don't know. If Arsenal somehow backs into an FA Cup this year, I will be extremely angry. Dude, when they scored against City yesterday, I was like, <laughs> I, I swear to God, if Arteta somehow wins this, <laughs> I'm going I'm I'm to fucking lose it. It would have been one of those perfect wins to keep his job alive or, you know, whatever, if, if there was actually any pressure on him. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not in February now, so he couldn't have that trophy under his belt to keep him in the job. I want to get this on record, actually. I know I'm detouring from our prompt here, but do you guys think Arteta will be Arsenal's manager next season? Ben, absolutely not. You, absolutely you, not. You think he's going to get fired? I don't know if it'll be this season. Like As long as he avoids relegation or like an actual serious relegation battle, I think they'll let him see out the season. Maybe. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> with his... I, I, with the quotes he's been given to press, like I just like there's blood in the water now. I don't think the, the, Engl- the English press is going to eat him alive with all this dumb shit he's saying all of a sudden. Brian, do you I think, think he's, he's? I think he's still their manager next year. Absolutely. Oh man, you you really are they, an optimist. They, they are so committed to this. Like you know, they they're so like 
you know, they, they've so bought into him and drank the Kool-Aid on him that they're going to, like, give him a little bit of rope to, like, clear out the squad or, like, get his guys in and get them playing the way he... They're going to allow this to happen. i got to admit, the, the Athletic UK has way more influence than I thought they did. Yeah, and honestly, like, if they... If he, if he avoids relegation, even if only by the skin of his teeth, like, they're, they're, they'll keep him around. Can you imagine? Yeah, let's let's go. get relegated. <laughs> they give him the chance. To back up. <laughs> yeah, they might. Who knows? Or maybe they hire Neil like, Warnock. Yes, exactly. They hire Neil Warnock to get him back up. Perfect. That would take a lot yeah, of like, sting off of. I mean, he would. He. Anything. They have a bunch of crossers now, so he would be perfect for them. Honestly. And I've always rejected the notion of like identifying your fandom in opposition to your enemies. Like you should care more about what your team is doing than what. Ha- but I gotta say. I will not care about anything that happens this first season if Arsenal gets relegated. It's like that will solve all wounds. Like it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It, there, there were. I think there are three things that could happen that Tottenham fans can just shove up Arsenal's ass for the rest of the time, and they can't say anything about it. And it's winning a European Championship, winning a league title, or watching Arsenal get relegated. And there's just nothing you can say about that if you're an Arsenal fan and a Tottenham fan wants to give you grief. And I really hope that. It would be nice if two of those things happened this year, but I'll take one. There's still a possibility all three could happen. Don't give up hope. I don't think we can win the European Championship, but it would be really nice if we could win a European Championship. So, uh, Ben, what is your Christmas wish for Tottenham Hotspur going going into uh, the holiday season? Uh, well, I my wish is going to go unfulfilled. All I all I want to see is a actual midfield three of Hoybier, Closelso, and Ndombele playing in midfield together. It's all I want. It's all I've ever wanted for like a fucking year and a half. And I know I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to go. Well, now it's, been, it's physically impossible. <laughs> but I mean, you know, maybe not tomorrow, but they'll be healthy again soon. Instead, I'm going to get a lump of coal named Harry Winks or Musa Suzoko in my midfield week in, week out. And, uh, you know, I'm, that's, that's fine. I'm Jewish. I, you know, <laughs> I don't expect a lot for Christmas. You could get, you could get like, several midfielders every day of the week, but no, <laughs> you get a lump of coal that's named Musa Suzoko. What about um, you, Greg? Like what do, is I, your Christmas? Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off, Ben. Maybe you had more. <laughs> did you have more to expound upon on the Musa Sissoko <laughs> lump of coal analogy that would add more to this conversation? I would accept another midfield signing to replace Musa Sissoko. <laughs> I guess I would just like to see us play a little more on the front foot. Like, I know that's not anything revolutionary. I mean, if I can't say I hope Arsenal get relegated or I hope we win a trophy, like... You know, I would just like us to see it get a little more coherent, at least against teams that aren't going to sort of, you know, I don't mind playing counterattacking football against a Manchester City or a Liverpool or Chelsea or whoever. That just sort of is what it is, and it's frankly something we did a fair amount of under Pochettino. But, you know, just a team that could play a little bit more on the front foot would be nice to watch, um, you know, if I have my Christmas wish. Um, otherwise, an Arteta extension, that would be that would be pretty high up there on the list. So yeah, I think it's time to wrap it up. Uh, Brian, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y. Ben, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Comrade U Spurs. 
You can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. And don't forget to follow our Twitter feed at WDR, as in Wheeler Dealer Radio, WDR Podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. For Ben, for Brian, we wish all of our listeners a very Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. And uh, for Ben, for Brian, and for Santa Rainbow, uh, come on you Spurs.